Abby. And I'm Allie. And it's About Time for True Crime. Hey! Hi, how are ya? Doing great. I don't think, because we were so wrapped up in our Ted Bundy like mindset, mm-hmm. we forgot to wish our listeners a Merry Christmas. Oh my gosh, you guys! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! We Happy hope it was day lovely. after. Uh, yeah, all of those. I love that for you guys. I hope your holiday season is going fab. I hope Santa brought everything on your list. And if he didn't, girl, what you do? <laughs> <laughs> Are you naked under those clothes? Slut. Damn. Sorry. Um, <laughs> all of that to say, um, if you celebrate, we hope you had a very lovely one. And we hope that regardless of what you celebrate, you're having good family time and connecting in the awful, terrible winter months. So, you know, some people it's like beautiful. Yeah. Like it's their summer right now. And here we're just freezing our asses off. Yeah. So I I mean the awful, terrible winter months in the U.S. because this is shite. So correct. Yep. And in the Northeast where we are in the United States, it is um, quite chilly. So and dark. Yeah. Dark early. So fucking dark out. Yeah. It's like you go to work. You drove in, it's dark. You leave, it's dark. Yeah, it's basically just dark here. Yeah, it's a tundra, basically. So, we hope that um, it's tamer where you are. Yeah, or at least, um, you know, maybe you're a vampire and you like the dark. I don't know, but I hope it's going well for you. Yeah, I'm not that person. (laughs) I need my sunlight. Yeah, me too. I do. I just need a longer day. My problem is when it's dark out, I'm like, oh, you mean it's time for bed? Yeah, correct. It's yep. time for bed right now at 3.30 p.m. Okay. Oh, see it's, tomorrow. It's five o'clock and I didn't get everything done that I needed to. And on any other day of the year when it's light out, I'd still be productive. But it's dark out now. And that tells me I need to be in my pajamas and my fat pants. Yep. Okay. Oh, darn. Oh, shucks. You know, I actually heard there's a study that says you're supposed to get two hours more a night in the winter of sleep. Really? Yeah. Who to think? I have not been doing that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I'll go to bed, but then I sit there yep. for a while. I am slacking so. on that department, so that's cool. But we are just so excited. We have some fun, fun things planned for 2024, and we hope that we see you there with us. But we also, you know, I don't know if you heard about this thing, but we actually did like a giveaway we did so if you are a skipper stop skipping this is important skippers no skipping guys it's pod time giveaway winners Mm. we have two because we'll never just do one never not in our nature so we would like to shout out our two winners kayla and crystal yay we compiled all of the entries and we did a random number generator so we did not have anything to do they are not handpicked but they were chosen. Yes. And your gifts are hand put together. So correct. So we're very happy for our winners. Thank you guys all for listening. Woohoo! Yeah, we are so excited. This definitely helped out. And I am excited to do another one again, because I think this was a very fun way for us to sort of connect with you all and also to grow some of those, you know, logistical things that we need for the pod to keep going. So yes, having like reviews and messages and um ratings and things like that followers as as long as we can keep getting traction to it it makes us want to keep doing this we want to know that absolutely you know we're here for you guys otherwise we'd be having these conversations it would just be the two of us in my kitchen but now it's me and abby and the whole fam and an entire atftc family because there's always room at the table for you guys and there's like 
a lot of you guys there's like 60 countries worth of you guys which isn't actually i think it's more now um all of that to say thank you we're very appreciative and we love you so much and we hope that you have a wonderful and very safe new year yes please be careful if you're driving and also again thank you to crystal and kayla i'm so pumped so let's get into it okay what are we getting into we are getting into our case for the day well i figured but what what am i getting into because i don't know so yeah you don't know anything about this and if you guys forgot or didn't know uh when we do cases other than like series we don't know what the other one's doing so abby has no idea what i'm about to talk about no um you guys know more than she does because you clicked on it and there is a description but she does not have that luxury so abby today we are talking about the stouty family murders oh yeah you love doing family ones at the holidays don't you (laughs) i don't know what it is well here's what i was thinking so again this episode airs the day after christmas i don't know if you're gonna listen to it today or any other day after that but this time of year i think always stirs up a lot of emotions for people yeah especially if there's conflict in a family or there's those family members that you don't see that often and there's a reason for that or maybe there's not and it's great and so there's there's a lot of feelings that can be stressful it's not always everybody's most enjoyable time of the year it's actually can be a really tough time of year for people yeah and i think that that can just stress people out it can be frustrating it can be concerning fill in the blank so if you spend time with your families this holiday season and you're like wow my family is too much or it's too hectic or it's too whatever well i just thought We'd have a little clarity in that. Do we have a show for you? Yes. If you thought (laughs) yours was dysfunctional, get ready. Very quick little reminder to please follow, rate, review, tell a friend, and send in your pod pets. But let us jump into it. All right. I'm jumping. So we are talking about the Stouty family today. We're going to start with Diane and Mark. Those are mom and dad. Okay. So they met while they were going to school at St. John's College in Winfield, Kansas. Okay. They actually got married three days after Christmas, December 28th, 1985. Winter wedding. Yes. Mark and Diane went on to have four kids. The oldest was Sean, and then their three girls in order were Sarah, Rachel, and Brianna. The couple raised their family in a modest home in Springfield, Missouri. Diane was a nurse. Mm. Um, she worked as a nurse, a practicing nurse for a while. And then she made the switch to, I think like some healthcare insurance billing type thing, but always in the medical field, no matter what. Okay. Um, Diane was the breadwinner of the family, so to speak. Her income was mostly what they used to support the family. And outside of work, she volunteered to play the organ at the local church. They were very involved in their church and, um, the whole family attended this church and, she was otherwise just very musically inclined. She, If she had free time, it was spent at the church. Oh, okay. And so Mark would work some odd jobs here mm-hmm. and there. Uh, and that is because his main focus was the band that he was in. Oh, he's a musician. He is. So okay. they both sort of bonded over music. It's just that they have very different music genres that they're into. She is very like religious music and yeah. he's a rock blues band oh and he's actually the singer of that and it's called messing with destiny okay which i think is ironic but anyway um because his income was less fruitful for a better way of saying that he would also bartend some nights a week just to have something but he 
primarily was home and Diane was primarily at work. Okay, that makes sense. So we're going to kind of jump between 2012 and 2013 because that's really what we're talking about here. But just for like some background, we're going to kind of talk about everybody. Yeah. Um, in 2012, their son, Sean, the oldest one, was 26. Sean had autism and though he was mostly self-sufficient and independent, he did require a lot of extra attention and care. Um, He did still live with them. He was able to find employment through a community program that would help place people with disabilities and and job roles and things like that. But he wasn't financially independent and I don't think there was going to be a time where he would be. It's hard to get a lot on like his mental status. Right. I think that he was always going to need some help, but he wasn't there wasn't so much of a need that there wasn't some independence. He didn't need a constant one-on-one aid, but he did need more aid than yes. other people. Than a typical 26-year-old would right. need. Their oldest daughter, her name is Sarah. She was 24. She had recently graduated. She got her bachelor's degree in French from Missouri State University, which is that what they call Mizzou? Mizzou? Mizzou. Mizzou. Yeah. Is that Missouri State? Yeah. Okay. Someone will correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure of it, (laughs) but got that from Ozark. Anyway, (laughs) um, so she had recently graduated and like so many of us, she had accrued substantial student loan debt. Don't you love to see it? Sarah had, (laughs) I can't do any of it. Je m'appelle. That's it. That's all I got. Oh, I said, good job. And then good luck. (laughs) Good for you. (laughs) Because yay, graduating boost student loans. Correct. But she hadn't found work yet. So Sarah did not yet have a job. Right. She spent most of her time in her room. She was watching YouTube videos. She was she had like a gaming PC. So she was gaming a lot. And so she was pretty much like sticking to herself in her room. Not super social. She wasn't really getting out of the house. She had some friends, but she was kind of a homebody. Right. And Diane, the mom, was usually harping on Sarah to, like, get up and get a job and you can't stay here forever. And have you had an interview yet? And did you apply to anything? And what are you doing? And Um, she's like, get off my back, mom. It's just a phase. Pretty much. Yeah. And then there there was 22-year-old Rachel. Okay. Rachel was undoubtedly Diane's favorite child. Oh. They shared a passion for religious music. It was something that they bonded over. I think Rachel played the flute. So... They didn't play the same instrument, but they would, like, play together. Um, Very musically inclined. Rachel was a very good student. She excelled in math and science classes, but she also really liked poetry and art. So she was just very well-rounded and, like, she was going places. And Diane posted on social media about Rachel, usually highlighting her accomplishments. Like, if she got an award or did really well in this thing or that thing or her concert. Like, that's who you would see on Diane's Facebook page. Oh, so she kind of... She did that for some kids. Yes. Okay. And then lastly, the baby of the family. She was 11 years old. Her name is Brianna. 11. 11. We don't know a whole lot about her, obviously, because of her age. Right. Uh, But we know that she was sweet, that she was shy. She also had a learning disability, so she did need a little bit of extra attention when it came to schoolwork. Um, But again, because she's so young at the time that we're talking about, we know very little about her. Right. So I can't really dive into much of it now. The Stouty family was not known to be social. 
Right. They sound like they all kind of enjoy keeping to themselves their home life, that kind of thing. They did absolutely keep to themselves, but you know how, like, some families feel the most comfortable when they're around each other, and so when they're in their home, like, the guard comes down and they can just, like, they're very close, Mm -hmm. and they hang out and they choose to spend their free time with each other because they enjoy spending time with each other? Yeah. Not the case. Oh. So, like, the Cullens in Twilight, right? Yeah. I watched Twilight recently because i needed it was hoa hoa season absolutely months ago hoa hoa to ho 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 it's the natural progression it's it's the seasons babe that's it but i needed it for the nostalgia and i didn't realize just how god awful of a movie it really is so funny it's anyway all of that to say that like the cullen family is like oh like they're mysterious and they're whatever and they keep to themselves and they don't socialize outside of the family but like they're close with each other that's not the case it's like they're they're this kind of odd family that you think is harmless but they're not hanging out with anybody in the weekends and even in their church they're not making these connections with like all of the other families there they keep to themselves but they're still attending right um and so it was just kind of this really odd dynamic between them because the most social one of them all was the dad. Right. Mark. And I, I probably attribute that to just being in a band and you need to have some kind of presence because if you don't have that, nobody's going to listen to you. Well, and especially as a singer of a band, like typically the singer is the front man and he kind of has all of the like charisma and personality to be like hey guys thanks for coming out tonight or what you know yeah, what I mean? that's like, just getting be, people there yeah and you have to be personable enough to draw people in and yet command enough of a presence that they still want to listen so that does take some social skill for sure i know a lot of people who can do that and don't like being social though Mm-hmm. sounds like he might be one of those well the band had actually started booking bigger and bigger gigs okay um they had kind of had a dry spell they still had fun they'd hang out they'd rock out together they'd rehearse they'd do whatever but they weren't booking like lucrative gigs for a while and then all of a sudden they kind of started to gain a little bit of of momentum and so it kind of looked like hey the future might be bright for the band that's pretty cool yeah um so this is kind of what's going on at that time and this is where we're going to leave the family so we know a little bit about everybody but we're going to fast forward sure so we're going to go to the morning of sunday june 9th okay 2013 so it's a sunday morning so it's a church day it's in 2013 it's june so it's hot because it's missouri missouri yes so everybody has swamp ass (laughs) yes (laughs) or swass as you will (laughs) diane had got Rachel and Brianna together to go to church. Sarah was supposed to go, but she was still asleep. So Diane left without her. Okay. Uh, again, Sarah's the oldest. She's the 24-year-old. She is not attending this day. Um, her lack of presence at church was noticed, but it was just kind of written off. All right. So when Diane and Rachel and Brianna got home again, Diane went to go check on Sarah. And that's when she realized that sarah was not in good shape she was she was unresponsive she was not able to be woken up like they couldn't get her to wake up because they were like okay like it's i understand sleeping through a morning 
sermon or something but by the time we get home after everything and you're still asleep what's going on so that's why that kind of prompted her to like try to wake her up you good yeah and she couldn't get up she they could not get this girl to wake up so diane and rachel ended up picking her up and then they carried her to the car and rushed her to the hospital oh my gosh because they just didn't know what else to do then once they got to the hospital it seemed like sarah's condition only got worse doctors realized that she had bleeding in her brain her organs were starting to fail her kidneys had started to shut down oh my gosh so she was still alive she was still alive but she was on death's doorstep basically yeah, she was quickly declining and despite every single test that they could run and they did they could not pinpoint what was causing her illness they just had no answers for this that's awful so sarah was in a coma and that's Shit. pretty much what it was and the family was brought aside and told to prepare for the worst right and they didn't think it was likely sarah would recover and they might want to consider making arrangements. That's awful. For a 24-year-old. And this seemed like tragedy had struck. It was bonkers to everybody to think that this otherwise healthy 24-year-old just didn't wake up one Sunday. Yeah, and with like a, hemor- like a hemorrhage in your brain. Mm-hmm. And kidneys shutting down. And all your other organs starting to. Yep. Well, yeah. Once kidneys go, it's Mm -hmm. just a matter of time. That's awful. With no other precursor. No. And there wasn't like Sarah had this history of poor health or that there were any medical conditions that they had concrete knowledge that she had. There was nothing. It was like she was healthy and then she wasn't. And... The entire medical team was pretty much scratching their heads at this because they're like, we are doing everything that we can, but we can't stop this if we don't know what's causing this. And we are no closer to figuring out what's causing this This than we were when she walked in. Yeah. This should literally be an episode of House. (laughs) Well, as it turns out, her mystery illness was not the only tragedy in the Stouty family. Well, I was worried because we are talking about it here. Correct. But... So the same day that Sarah was brought to the hospital, the same day that she missed church, an anonymous tip was called into law enforcement that encouraged them to just look into it. Okay. The tipster said that several family members had died suddenly in the Stouty family. Oh my. And there didn't seem to be a clear reason and encouraged just look at it. Okay. Just look into it. So we have Detective Neil McAmis. He goes to the hospital. Okay. And he spoke with the medical team that was treating Sarah and they told him, we have no idea. We are at a loss. And usually in those cases, if the police are involved, it's time that they ask the doctors, do you think it could be a poisoning? Right. If you can't pinpoint it yet, then that might be another place to start. Right. And the doctor was like starting to look that way. But it wasn't because they found evidence of something. It's that they found no evidence of anything, which made them think. Right. It's just there's too many question marks here. Well, and with the the right poison, that absolutely can happen. So the detective took Diane for an interview. Diane's the mom. She's 49 years old. She's 
brunette, thin woman. She is not very, like, sweet, cuddly. Yep. You know what I'm... Not not maternal in the way that you would hope. She's yeah, very she stoic. Have, like, a warm, nurturing presence. Nope. Not so much. Nope. Very, um... Very stoic, very quiet, not super descriptive unless prompted. But the detective is like, I got to go in there and be careful because it's one of two things. They don't know the entire situation, but they're told to look into the family. So clearly something must happen with other family members or nothing at all. Right. But it's one or two things. One is, you know how Sarah got sick because you did it. Or because you know who did. Mm -hmm. Or the other thing is, is you've just taken away the mother of a 24-year-old by her bedside that should be there if her daughter is about to die. Absolutely. So you have to weigh what you're doing very carefully. Because if you do that and you fuck that up. Oh, yeah. You know, the, the consequences for that family can be horrific. And you've just made it so much worse. Right. So... You, he kind of has to have this in mind. So he's he's digging into details and trying to get things without coming off as accusatory. Absolutely. And again, she's stoic and she didn't shed a single tear, but she answered his questions as they were asked. So he asked her if she was married and she said, no, she's widowed. Oh, her husband had died April the previous year. Oh, no, Mark. April 2012. And as it turns out, she had actually found him. He was only 61 years old and she found him dead in their bedroom. And this was April 8th, 2012. And it just happened to be on Easter. Oh, my. She wrote off his death as, well, you know, he had a lot of medical issues. So she said that he drank occasionally. He wasn't he, he wasn't really dealing with alcoholism, but he would have a few he's in a band there's a certain yeah crowd that you run with and there's um, a culture in that too like mm-hmm. places will give you beer because they're like good job <laughs> right and if you're playing at a bar well then you're rarely not going to have at least a drink right right and i think that she was very like no alcohol mm. so if he had a beer with dinner once a week she might say that's excessive alcohol use right okay but that he was overweight, that he was diabetic, that he smoked cigarettes. So she had a laundry list of reasons as to why he dropped dead. So when his body was taken, she was told that he died of natural causes. They said a heart attack. Sure. There was no autopsy performed on Mark. He was just cremated. And again, they had just written it off as natural. Right. Then Diane was asked about her kids. Okay. How many kids she has, everything, and asked about a son. Do you have any, do you, do you have a son? And she said, no, not anymore. He died. Oh, no. He had a seizure disorder. And you can hear the audio. These interview tapes are available on YouTube if you want them. I've linked a couple things that include some of that because I did list, spend a lot of time listening to just their conversations. Right. But the way she talks about it is like as plainly as recalling the weather. Right. You know, just you it's lose your husband. My my kids said, and also my dad, also my husband's dead, and also my next kid might be dying. But yeah, no, it's been a fine day. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So her husband dies in April. Her son dies in September of the same year, just months later. But with Sean, Diane said that it wasn't entirely unexpected. With Mark, it was unexpected, but he had health issues. So it was like, that makes sense to me kind right. of thing. You can rationale. And with Sean, she's like, not unexpected because of his seizure disorder. And I guess when they did do an autopsy on him, they found lesions on his brain. So she was told that he likely died of a seizure. So that it was some kind of recurrence. And he had also died at home. And I think he was just found dead by a family member. But because both Mark and Sean's deaths weren't considered suspicious, the police weren't notified. So it wasn't like... The alarm bells had been sounded beforehand and it was overlooked. It was, right. this is the first time they're hearing of this. So they have to ask all of these questions. Right. So then they asked about the life insurance policies. Diane, what was the, what was Mark's life insurance policy? And off the top of her head, she knew exactly that it was 20000 She was asked what she did with that money. And she said, well, it let us move into a bigger house in a new neighborhood. I guess they didn't like the neighborhood. And granted, there were six of them in like a two-bedroom house. Yeah. So I do think that 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 was a wise choice. It wasn't like she went for like a mansion. Not that you're getting a mansion with 20 grand. Not in today's economy, especially. Oh, God. But that she could immediately tell you the dollar amount, immediately tell you where it went. And then about Sean's policy, she said that she got 15,000. And then she said that Sarah was also insured for 15,000. Like the back of her hand. Why are their kids insured? People have life insurance on their kids. I guess. Usually not a lot, but I mean, God forbid, that's like the last thing you want to worry about. But it's not so much that she had insurance for them that got me. It was just how quickly she knew the figures. Right. And wasn't like, well, what an awful thing to think about. Or just anything like that. Just, yep, and this is where this money will go. And this is what it was used for and all these things. Kind of an odd thing to say, in my opinion. Yeah. But then the conversation went back to Sarah. And I have to say again that there's no proper way to grieve. Right. We say this all the time. Um, We all do it differently. We may even surprise ourselves in the way that we handle grief. And if you've listened to About Time for True Crime before, you know that I think when an individual goes through a loss and that loss becomes publicized, then the way you grieve is on display. And there are just as many people that will defend you for the way you grieve as will tear you apart absolutely people suck there's nothing else i can say Mm -hmm. however this bitch (laughs) devoid of emotion in talking about it her eldest daughter was on her deathbed hooked up to however many machines her body completely shutting down her husband had died the april before her son died the previous fall and she spoke as plainly and as neutrally about all of it as if talking about the weather so, okay, this is June of 2013 of 2013 and Mark and Sean Sean passed in 2012. Yes. Okay. So holy fuck. That's fast. April. Mark dies. September. Sean dies by June. Sarah's in a coma. Okay. Pretty rapid succession here. Yeah. And she... I mean, I've seen people more emotional over professional sports. I've seen people more emotional over a fucking Hallmark commercial. It's just, 
it wasn't adding up to the detective in the way that she just seemed to speak kind of coldly not and not not necessarily matter of fact in a way that that it was almost like her guard was up you know there's a self-preservation kind of matter of fact that i think people take and then there's neutral i don't really give a shit right and she was more in the second category well, because I think guard up is like, I will talk about whatever I have to talk about, but then I'm done. But this is really hard for me to talk about. And I don't right. want to open that wound right now here with you, stranger. But with her, she's like, yep. And so that's what happened. Yeah. So then we moved into a bigger house and it was nice. I got the full bed to myself. And he decided to push it a little bit. The detective's like, I just have this feeling with right. her. Like this isn't adding up the way it should. So he asked Diane what she thought might be revealed in the test that they run on Sarah. And she said that she didn't know. And he said, well, the test that they're running on Sarah, we're getting the results sent to a lab outside of here. Like they're going to be thoroughly looking for things. Do you have any idea what might be in it? And again, she said no. And he asked, is any of this suspicious? Is there anything that's been going on? Anyone have a reason to hurt Sarah? And again, she says nothing okay like no nothing have i have no idea so then the detective kind of steered the conversation back to mark and he said what kind of husband was he you know you were married what was that like was he a good guy was he at least a good dad and she's like nope he was not she said that their marriage wasn't a good one that he smoked pot and he drank and that he'd had an affair that oh so he was a cheater as well and the detective said well you know it sounds like he wasn't good to you and use this motivational interviewing that Ooh. if you work in criminal justice, you have heard before um, saying it sounds like you had all of this pressure to maintain the home and the income and the marriage while he's going off doing the things he shouldn't be doing, the things that take him away from the responsibilities. So it put all of that on you. It sounds like it was really difficult for you to do that. Right. Building that rapport with her. And so... This kind of, you know, seemed to make her feel a little bit more comfortable. Of course, she denied anything to do with Mark's death. Absolutely. She steered right clear of that. But she did seem to gain a little bit more comfort with the detective. Okay. So then they go back to talking about Sarah. What's going on with Sarah? How have the How's the last year been? How has she handled things? What's been, right. you know, what's been going on? She goes... And this is a quote. I've been kind of, put it, kind of putting pressure on Sarah to get out and get a job. Your college bills are coming due and I don't want to pay for them. And after all, you get tired of doing everything for your kids. And it's like you need to step up and do it. Oh, okay. This is about her child that's dying, mind you. And yeah. I understand that, yes, that's frustrating. But like all she is on is the money. Right. And she actually said that recently they'd gotten into a huge fight over this. Oh, my. That she had kind of said to Sarah, your student loans are due. Right. You need to be able to pay that. You need a job because you need an income and you need to kind of get off your butt and go get it. Where's the interviews? Where's your attempt at getting a job? Where's any of this? Which I think is a very rational conversation to have with your child, especially a 24-year-old at home. I can see where you got your degree. You didn't get that for funsies. Where do you plan on applying that? Yeah, let's use that. But Diane said that this argument got way out of hand and Sarah got so mad that she stormed out of the room that they were talking in and she stormed right into the garage. 
That seems like a pretty intense fight to me. And Diane said, well, there was antifreeze in the garage. And when she confronted Sarah about this, Sarah said, yeah, I know. Antifreeze kills cats. And Diane said, yeah, and it can also kill people. So Diane said to the the detective that Sarah probably drank antifreeze in spite of her mother to get back at her. And Diane said, she admitted, she goes, I'm, I'm not the best mom. She said, I was so mad at her that when I noticed she wasn't feeling well this morning before we went to church, I didn't take her to the hospital. I was so mad at her. I didn't treat her. Um, that's a hell of a statement to say to a detective. That's also, you're a mother. It doesn't matter how mad you are at your child. No, you doesn't have matter. A- you have a duty to act. There and I say child as if, you know, she's 10. Obviously, she's not. But even when you're 40, you're still your parents' kid. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And she just completely disregarded. Like, I was so upset with her that I think she drank antifreeze to get back at me. And I just let her do it was kind of what she was saying. Well, and also, I mean, again, there are very few places where people have a duty to act in the law. This, if you're responsible for a human, that's on you. Even if that's not your child, but that's any other person and you're in front of them and you know that they did this and you know that they didn't seem well and you do nothing about it. Even if there's no legal implications of that, morally, we can all agree oh, yeah. that's wrong. And especially, I would say, you know, I have no qualms about really any religion, but if you're going to go and practice one that like preaches the caring and the praying and mm-hmm. the turning the other cheek and all of that that's this is probably a good place to employ that also if you're gonna work in the healthcare system as a nurse yeah and you know what antifreeze does and that's kind of your fucking thing i don't know anyway okay keep going then she further went on to say that you know i think it was the same with mark and sean they drink I, antifreeze I to think, spite her i think they were frustrated and i think they drank antifreeze what that was her story and she was sticking to it (laughs) yep in the middle of her kid dying Uh uh-huh she's just gonna go into that unprompted yeah well because they're like well it just seems really odd that mark sean and now sarah and okay like everyone's dying what's going on with that yeah (laughs) you know what i mean yeah and the detective's like yeah no uh he's like listen i don't doubt that they were drinking antifreeze i completely believe you (laughs) But you and I both know that they didn't know yes. that they were drinking antifreeze. King. Okay. Because you were giving it to them. So then Diane was like, you're right. I've been, gi- what? I've been giving them antifreeze. What? <laughs> I know. She admitted to like systematically poisoning specific family members by putting it in their drinks. Wow. And if you didn't know this antifreeze has a sweet taste um not recommended no and when when it's mixed with a drink that is already sugary and it's pretty much just adding sweetness to sweetness the person drinking it probably won't know and because i feel like i have to say this no don't try it No. no don't give it to somebody else do not no don't give it to an animal Don't be an idiot. We are talking about people dying from this. Just like, consider it a Tide Pod. It is a forbidden fruit, okay? (laughs) 
to a younger crowd, I do think that it might seem funny or like a, a prank that would be harmless, but it gets less and less funny with each organ in your body that shuts down. Yeah. So typically best to steer clear. Okay. But that's just my opinion. And the ingredients in antifreeze actually aren't inherently fatal to humans, but it's the way that our body metabolizes them, which in turn does make it fatal to us. Got it. But someone who's been poisoned with antifreeze might appear drunk. They might feel nauseous. They might throw up. They might lose coordination. They might be unsteady on their feet. Again, really looking drunk, if you think about it. They might slur their speech. They might have a headache or be a little bit fatigued or dizzy. Mm. A lot of the giveaways that kind of match up with somebody, they're like, oh, how much did you have to drink? Exactly. Then it kind of switches to confusion. They're a little disoriented. They have shallow breathing. Their heartbeat is funky. It's irregular. It's not what it should be. And then the kidneys start to shut down. And that kickstarts the rest of your organs shutting down. And that's only if a seizure doesn't kill you first. Super fun. It is a very painful way to die. And someone who's consumed antifreeze should be brought to the hospital immediately. Regardless of the amount, you need to be checked out. Also, regardless of how angry you are at the person who drank the antifreeze. Correct. Yeah. The dangerous ingredient in antifreeze is ethylene glycol. This doesn't have a color. It doesn't have a smell. And it's this part of it that is sweet. Right. So it is very harmful. It's like a a wolf in sheep's clothing kind of thing where you wouldn't be like, oh, God, ew. Like you imagine a poison to taste nasty, horrible. Yeah. This is not that. So Diane had said of the family members that with Mark, she put the antifreeze in his Gatorade. It was sweet. He liked to drink it. She knew that he was going to drink that. It was easy enough to put in his drink. Was he a cool blue kind of guy? You're awful. Sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. (laughs) Sean and Sarah drank Coke. Oh. So that's a sweet carbonated beverage. So you can put it in that. And she did. And she said, Diane said, quote, Sarah loved Coke. Loved. Past tense. Oh. She had already in her mind, like, buried her daughter. Like, yep, she's dead. Makes sense why she didn't care too much if she wasn't next to her. So every day she'd put a little bit into their drinks. And when it wasn't killing them fast enough, she just increased how often. But this was over time. So this wasn't you put some in in the morning and by night they've passed away. Right. It's slowly over time. As long as it's daily and as long as you're you're doing it, the body's breaking itself down already, basically. Also, just, um, I mean, this is me. Mm. If I was dying of antifreeze poisoning, I wouldn't want to get up and get a job either. Right? Just saying. Okay. Yeah. Where's your motivation? Yeah. It's to get better because I feel like, oh, wait, no, I am dying. Yes, that's why. Okay. It is really awful how it happens. And I don't think the person consuming it knows what's going on, obviously, until it's way too late. But I'm sure you're sitting there or standing there laying there or whatever you're doing i don't know i'm not you but you're saying Allie, you haven't told us why but why Allie? 
because you can say who and how and when and where she poisoned her family members, but you have not told us why. And to that, I say to you, okay, I'll tell you. Oh, good. Diane had a different reason for each family member, and that is because she is a piece of horse shit. Oh, uh, for Mark, (laughs) if you will. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. For Mark, she hated him. Okay. That was as simple as it was. She said, quote, uh, I hate his guts. Uh, Normally, people just get divorced when that's the case, Mm -hmm. but okay. So that's why he had to go. For Sean, she said, quote, he would be interfering with whatever I would do to the point where he was getting into my work. And it got to the point you'd pull out your hair because I didn't want I didn't know what to do with him. She also said he was, quote, worse than a pest. Her son, her child. Her her kid is worse than the cockroach that scuttles down your uh, yes. wall there? Because he interfered. Because he was alive. Because, because he was a person. He needed some time and attention. Because he needed a little bit of extra attention. And he was invested in you and your life and he wanted to be there? Yep. Yes, that's why. Pests. And then there was Sarah. Fucking A. And... The reason Diane wanted to kill Sarah was that she was difficult. She was stubborn and she didn't have a job yet. And Diane did not want to be on the hook to pay her student loans. So Sarah had to die. That's not how student loans work. So, yes. And then she was asked, okay, so you've poisoned these three family members. Now, these, these, all of them weren't being poisoned at the same time. It was Mark was poisoned first, then Mark died. Then Sean was poisoned, Sean died. Sarah's poisoned. Sarah's in the hospital. Got it. And she's saying all of this in the hospital, talking to the detective? No. So she was brought to the station for an interview. Oh, okay. Okay. But yeah, so it's the same. It's the day Sarah went to the hospital. Things aren't looking great. That's nuts. Hey, can we talk for a little bit? Yeah, sure. What's going on? You know, we got this tip. We have to invite, you know, we have to do our due diligence. We have to have a conversation. What's going on? Right. And... Diane was asked, okay, Mark's dead, Sean's dead, Sarah's dying, you've got two kids at home, Rachel and Brianna. Yeah. Why are they alive? Fair. Were they next? What was that? And she said, well, I loved them. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Are you kidding? Nope. Must be nice to be them. Kind of. Maybe. (laughs) I know. And maybe you're sitting there, standing there, laying there. I don't know what you're up to. I'm not you. But maybe you're saying, Allie. Allie. Why? Why? Would Diane... Would Diane... (laughs) Bring Sarah to the hospital if she was the one who was poisoning her. Uh, Right? Yeah. Why would she do that, Allie? Because that doesn't make a lot of sense. It seems like you're drawing attention to the fact that you've now poisoned your kid. And before you think that she had regrets or that she wanted her daughter to be saved... No, the answer is no. The reason she brought her to the hospital was because of the fiasco that happens when someone dies in the home Uh, and people have to come in and then there's like a cleanup and then there's like more people walking in your home and there's like a conversation about it. And then that room is weird for a little bit afterwards that if she died in the hospital, it just alleviated all of that. And so they wouldn't have to worry about it. It is easier for her that way. And that's really what matters. It was completely that it was. Fuck that. It was an inconvenience for Sarah to die at home. So Sarah was brought to the hospital when they were sure she was going to die anyway, that she wouldn't be saved. Lovely. Nice. Lovely. Thanks, mom. So aside from Diane 
Rachel was pretty much the next of kin that they could speak with. Rachel was 22. Her older sister is the one that's dying, and her brother and dad have already died in the last year. And they interviewed her, and they asked her very similar questions about the family. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they need to see where her answers stack up and how right. every, you know what her perception is, because Diane could be fabricating everything that she said. They don't know. They have nothing concrete. Right. She could be a grieving mother and wife who was making something up or trying to rationalize it, but they just had nothing to corroborate what she said. Right. So they need to try to figure out, are there any parallels here? Can anyone else in this house confirm? What are the evidence pieces? What do other people say? All and that. Rachel's pretty much the next of kin because who's left, really? Her and what, the 11-year-old? Yes. Okay. So when asked about her parents... And like their marriage, what was their marriage like? You know, both your parents were home. They weren't divorced. Mm-hmm. She said that they fought all the time. Okay. Usually over money or whatever other normal couples fight about. Yeah. And they asked, when did your dad die? And she said, I think it was sometime last April. Okay. And I don't know about you, but most people know the day a parent passed away. Yeah. And especially when it was just barely over a year later, would say, I think think it was sometime last april the only time usually you get a think is like it happened at 1 a.m and you're like i think it like it was april 8th oh mm, you know actually i think it's the 9th because of whatever time other than that time in april yes sometime that's big i'm pretty sure that's vague baby girl it's like we're not asking you to try to recall when your spring break was it's when did your dad, the man who raised you, pass away? Right. So then they asked Rachel about when Sean died. She said that for days before he died, he was throwing up. And it seems like he had the flu. Oh. And we know that antifreeze poisoning gives you basically flu-like symptoms. So, right. okay, this is starting to add up. And then they said, you know, what happened after he passed away? And Rachel said that her mom took the loss really hard. That they would stay up at night talking to each other because they were the closest family members. And Diane would Aww. say that she felt like a failure as a mother. That's really healthy to put on your kids. And okay. Rachel was like kind of comforting her through that. So then they asked Rachel about Sarah. How was she feeling? Had she also seemed sick before she was brought to the hospital? And Rachel said, actually, yeah, she was throwing up. Her The, the bathroom was across the hall from her bedroom so she would hear her throwing up in the bathroom and like Mm -hmm. hey are you okay and she kind of peek in so she remembered that yeah sean was throwing up and sarah was throwing up okay that poor kid's gonna have such a trauma response to just like getting nauseous (laughs) just wait oh god so the detective said what he was told at the hospital from the medical team because somebody had to bring rachel up to speed And it was that Sarah had likely been poisoned and that they didn't believe that she would survive the illness. Oh, gosh. So Rachel just kind of sat there saying nothing. And just before Mark died, he and the band Messing With Destiny were gearing up for an important gig. Um, Their rehearsals in the days leading up to his death, his bandmates said that he seemed pale that some of his speech was slurred, that he seemed a little bit uneasy on his feet and he didn't seem to be feeling well. Oh, so like, um, I don't know, antifreeze poisoning symptoms? Correct. Oh, okay. All right. And aside from the fact that he was 
kind of presenting a little bit drunk. Right. <laughs> um, there weren't really any dead giveaways. It was just a few off days. We all have those, right? Yeah. You might, your stomach might feel a little funky or, you know, maybe you're, you, oh, my balance and oh, I haven't had enough iron or whatever, fill in the blank, right? Yeah. We can all write those off. But most of us don't die a couple of days later and Mark did. No. And so now this is kind of confirmation that all three family members have experienced the flu-like symptoms. So right. this is really just confirming what they already kind of know to be the case, what they need to be able to articulate. This means that Diane's story is corroborated. Yes. At least in part by her 22-year-old. Right. And Rachel had actually a couple of different interviews with law enforcement. So the one we just sort of talked about was the first one. And the next one, I believe, is the same day. Just because of how the timeline adds up, I can't imagine it being separate days. But in this interview, the news is then broken to Rachel that her mom has admitted to poisoning her dad, her brother, and her sister. Right. And you can just hear Rachel sob. Oh. And so she was told that she was going to need to be able to take care of her sister Brianna for a little bit. Uh You know, services were going to be connected referrals were going to be made they were going to make sure that like the advocacy center was in touch and probably dcyf to some extent to be able to try to keep track of everything and keep things moving because to put an 11 year old under the care of a 22 year old is kind of tough yeah the 22 year old that's realized that her mom has poisoned the rest of the family right yep Cause she also be going through some shit when you like processing that. (laughs) So the family of six has now been whittled down to two. There's two dead, one hospitalized, one incarcerated. Good, good, good. We're doing good. And if you didn't think it could get worse. Oh God. I might have like a skinny tea pyramid scheme for you. Oh, you want me to shit my brains (laughs) out? (laughs) (laughs) But... It might look like an open and closed case. And I think that's what law enforcement had initially anticipated after they spoke with Diane and after all of the pieces sort of started to come together that it just kind of seemed like they needed information to further confirm what they already knew, but that there wasn't going to be anything aside from the obvious, aside from the fact that a mother would kill her family like this, that was going to shock them. Right. Right. The worst of it had kind of been over. So where do we go from here? Right. And what they needed to do was actually search the home yeah and the search led to the discovery of a diary okay that diary had dates that outlined who was being poisoned how often and just commentary on it in general oh my the kicker the diary did not belong to diane what the fuck who did it belong to belonged to rachel rachel you sneaky little one entry read and this is a quote It's sad when I realize how my father will pass on in the next two months. Sean, my brother, will move on shortly after. What? It will be tough getting used to the changes, but everything will work out. Yep. So what do you you really think those tears were? That she got caught. caught? Fuck. She also wrote... That she was happy that she at least got to prepare for them to die. Oh. But she was especially excited because she was going to get her dad's car. 
Oh. So that was going to be a, a really cool, like, it makes it all better kind of thing. It's you a know good what I reward mean? for when you murder your dad. Yep. You know? So I usually title my research with little, you know this, we yes. like little headings. So this one I call Got Em. <laughs> um, and as Michael Scott would say, oh, how the turntables. Oh, how the turntables indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, needless to say, Rachel was brought back in for questioning the next day. You wouldn't say. Because uh, it seemed to be that <laughs> they sent the 11-year-old home with one of the killers without knowing it. Yeah, that'll that'll do it. So that's great. <laughs> hey, kid. She's safe for now. Uh-huh. What the fuck? So ah. then... They pulled out the journal, the diary, yeah. and they said, hey, do you do you recognize this? And she said, yes. And they said, OK, and who is, does it belong to? And she's like, it's mine. And they were like, OK, so you've written in this. Yeah. Yep. yep. OK. So what about <laughs> and like dove into it? So how's your dad's um, car? <laughs> so she said uh, she was floored by this. Obviously, they could tell by the look on her face. But she said, um, actually. She'd had a dream of them dying, oh. so she wrote about it in the journal. So oh. she was basically saying that, like, she knew ahead of time they were going to die. She had no idea it was really going to happen, but she wrote about it as if it was really going to happen and that it wasn't a dream and that this was fact. Right, because that's what I do with my dreams. Right. You know? And actually, Diane said this, too. Oh, yeah, Rachel had a dream, and so she wrote about this. Oh, so this is a cute little part of their alibi. So... They've rehearsed this. Absolutely. But just as quickly as Diane was like, yeah, no, I'll just tell you what really happened. Rachel did the same thing. Yeah. Doesn't seem like they're much for shame. Just like so. mommy. Not she, <laughs> she admitted to not only knowing about it, but assisting in it. Yeah. So she said that initially it was her mom's idea that they had a book in the house on poisonous plants. Oh. So that kickstarted the poison idea. But research led them to antifreeze instead Mm. because other poisons would be hard to get. And antifreeze you could buy in bulk and no one would really look at you differently for that. And um, sweet taste, so easy to work into sweet drinks. And they all had a sweet drink that they liked, so it made it pretty easy. And she sort of snorted about these, like these conversations that she had. She was kind of like, yeah, so then we did this and... It was like she was talking about going to the movies with her boyfriend. Oh, my gosh. Not planning the execution of her family members. We were literally, like, ready. We were, like, sitting there. And we saw this book. And it was on poisonous plants. We were like, okay, weird. Weird flux. (laughs) And then we, like, started reading it. And we were like, oh, my gosh, wait. You know how dad sucks? And I want his car. And she was like, you know how dad sucks? And I want him dead. And we just decided. But then we Googled, right? Are those our red flags? (laughs) Isn't it awful? Yeah. But this was really the conversation. that It's just so fucking flippant about the whole thing. And Rachel said that over several weeks, her and her mom would switch off poisoning Mark. So what? if Diane poisoned the drink in the morning, then Rachel would get the next one. Poisoning people is not a team bonding event. What the fuck is this? It's not a relay race. No, uh-uh. no, it's not. You got to pass that baton. When they asked her about how much antifreeze they went through to poison Mark, it was five gallons. What? Five gallons. Not one, not two, not three, not even four. You'd think it's five. 
five gallons. Five gallons is at least three gallons of antifreeze. To murder her own dad with the help of her mom. Fuck that. Now, they each had their own motive. Her motive was that he was always blowing money and didn't help her on the house. And he was just a drain mm. on her mom and the family. Which mm. were the exact words out of her mom's mouth. Her mom just pretty much told her that. And she was like, yeah, dad sucks. Yeah. Because he drains the finance. Like, you have to worry about that? Are you provided for? Are you good? You're 22 years old. Take care of yourself. Don't worry about him. <laughs> but anyway, this is how it was. For Sean, Rachel said that initially she refused. She said, quote, Sean, we argued on a lot because I still think we could have put him in an assisted living, but she wanted him out. She would go on and on about him being a burden. Mm. The fact that they could sit over like tea and discuss her older brother's death of like, well, we argued on it because I think we could have put him here. Right. But, but she wanted like him dead. A financial drain. It's just awful. Ugh. So she said that she ultimately relented and he became their next target. Okay. But she said that she still didn't think he was necessary mm. to kill. You know, you know, the extraneous kills. And then next was Sarah. And Rachel's motive was that Sarah was also a drain. That Rachel said they fought a lot. Okay. And then she she said, quote, she got a little better when she got on the medicine, but she still argues and has really inappropriate jokes. If inappropriate jokes are a reason to be poisoned, then I would have easily been poisoned a thousand times over. Same. That is my humor. Yeah. And if I can't inappropriately laugh about it, I'm going to inappropriately cry about it. So oh, pick I one. can't say pick your poison. Oh, dad joke maybe i think taylor swift put a song out about that though isn't that what antifreeze hero is about oh <laughs> <laughs> terrible but just the fact that so what you were offended by what your sister said because she was probably fucking hilarious also what does she mean <laughs> about meds yeah like she got like mental health medication and like oh good for her was getting better but she still argued a lot it's like you guys sound like really fucking easy people to disagree with i think i'd argue with you too also like not <laughs> you think for people nothing? should die over jokes <laughs> <laughs> like i think i would be sarah in that and be like you know what actually no <laughs> and you know what i don't know what she was on no shame in that game but i'd be on some fucking antipsychotics in that family i don't know what i'd do i'd be like oh my god it's fine it's literally fine it's awful it's so bad with them and it was just like that was the justification she needed was that she made <laughs> that Fuck. she made bad jokes inappropriate jokes that were probably honestly hilarious to their uptight asses that yep. they wouldn't know it but you and i'd be on the floor oh my gosh sarah sounds like a real one is my guess don't know for sure but something tells me the shit that Rachel and Diane would clutch their pearls over, I'd be cr I'd be cackling over. Oh yeah. So So, okay, quick little insert here about inappropriate things and the way that um Allie reacts. So, have oh, you guys no. ever I don't know, had a friend in like a retail job and you go to visit them and then suddenly they have to put on their re like their customer service voice. Oh no. Right? And they're like <clears throat> 
hi this is burger king mm-hmm. right and you're like that's not how you sound and then they're like okay ma'am thank you and you're like that's not how you talk um that's what happens anytime Allie has someone say something entirely inappropriate to her she just goes oh my <laughs> <laughs> and i know inside you know crying laughing you know the way it depends on the way i say it but if someone says something inappropriate i'm like oh my yep <laughs> and then i'm like i'm gonna talk about that later <laughs> i know yep but anyway i pretty much in response to all this oh my oh my <laughs> So then, get this, ready? Uh, they said, okay, Rachel, you piece of shit. No, they didn't say that. I'm saying that. Uh, they asked her, why did you want to bring Sarah to the hospital? You and your mom both wanted to bring Sarah to the hospital. Right. You knew that she wasn't doing well. Did you change your mind? Did you want her to get better? Did you want her to get help? Was this a plea for help? What was this? She said, no, I just, I didn't want her to die in the house. She said, she said quote didn't want another one to die in the house because houses are nasty after somebody dies in it after sean died i moved into his room and it was awful 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 in there you moved into his room yeah like he had the bigger room so after he died in that room you moved in there and then she was like "Ooh, i have nightmares in here now and she did she had nightmares of like her dead brother and i'm like no shit you killed him that's a subconscious babe also like he best be haunting that bitch Oh my god, I hope so. Right? Be like, you're gonna sleep in my fucking bed now too? All right, fine. I'm taking the covers. Like, like I hope he was the reason that she'd turn the lights off downstairs and have to run up the stairs to get oh, to get yeah. to her bedroom because she would like freaked out. And I hope, I hope he'd that's actually what it was. grab her little ankle if it was outside of the blanket. You know? Yeah. Fuck that. Like the monster's gonna bite it. Do it. Anyway. So, it's true. The reason was not because either of them wanted sarah to survive this it was that they wanted her to not die there still die still die please don't live just die dear god yeah but not in the home also explains why they didn't call an ambulance which i was thinking when you said they both bought like brought her into the car yeah because that might actually give her a shot right and we can't have that no dear lord no and then they'll investigate the house and that's just an inconvenience then you have to miss work and that's a money suck. So, well, now I guess the investigators have to die too. Yep. What the fuck? Perhaps worst of all, after Sarah, they planned on killing 11-year-old Brianna. No. They. Yep. If you don't fucking want kids, don't have kids. It's not that deep. Just don't have them. And then you don't have to murder them correct actually fun fact you never have to murder them yeah never Um, actually in fact you can go your entire life and not even think about it it's great it's amazing Mm -hmm. um but you certainly do not have to have them and then later decide to you could have just um i don't know you got a little snip snap or like a little tube tied or like i don't know a plan b pill like there's a lot of different ways the thing is it's like it's like what happened because it wasn't like she was this loving doting mother not from anything i could find but it was like a switch and then she's like, I just need to kill them all. Like, she wanted out. She wanted yeah. out of the family. She wanted out of anything. Instead of a divorce, instead of researching options, instead of looking at what she could do, what could she do with Sean if he needed more help than she could offer him? What could she do with Sarah if Sarah tells, kick Sarah out? You can tell her yeah. to go get an apartment. 
that's not illegal it's not cruel and unusual punishment she has been of age for six years now is it kind to give her like a two-day notice no but if she's going to survive i think she'd prefer that yeah typically if you guarantee someone 72 more hours instead of deciding this is the last they're they're pretty good with that so the fact that brianna was next was like they just wanted the two of them to be together that is so strange. like this very weird relationship and it wasn't like it wasn't an incestuous relationship at all right but it was this really inappropriate best friendship they had where it was truly like everybody else can die literally yeah it'll just be the two of us and we're fine with that and we're happy with that we're Rachel happier with that was the strangest young woman that you could see that like i couldn't imagine her keeping close friendship connections right that i think her mom was it and i think her mom was the most stoic dry non-maternal cold person that the two of them together just bonded and clicked in this really odd way but ultimately if sarah if they couldn't actually figure out what it was Mm -hmm. or if they did and they confirmed it was poisoning law enforcement would have been called anyway right but the only way that law enforcement knew to look before that and before waiting until sarah died and maybe getting the results like months later or something if something were going on i don't know what hospital policy was or you know what that specific hospital's policy was but i mean ultimately i believe law enforcement would have been brought into it but there's no guarantee that it would have been in time before brianna could have been killed or at least poisoned and then harmed as a result of that poisoning even if she didn't die but they really had to thank the anonymous caller. Yeah. And as it turns out, this anonymous caller was actually from their church pastor. Good. Uh, Rachel had said some things to him before that were concerning, but they weren't necessarily reportable. Right. It just had kind of struck him funny. And then it kind of clicked for him when Sarah didn't go to church that Sunday morning. Uh, and so things started to make sense and he wasn't quite sure if rachel was trying to like confess or ask for forgiveness or ask for help but she made some odd comments and maybe she forgot who her audience was or she just got so blatant because i mean really you could shoot they were getting away with it right and also a lot of people are under the assumption that any and all priests or ministers of power in a church are for some reason confidential and that's the case in very very specific instances you can't just go to church and like after the choir's done with song two, be like, I murdered my dad and I feel so good. Mm-hmm. They're not going to applaud you and then never go to the police for that. That's not how that works. I mean, you can totally sing it if you want. Oh, yeah. But, but when you come out, there's going to be like a blue light rave going you're gonna on. You're going to go whoop, whoop. Yep. <laughs> come out with your hands up. But you'd be like, mm, mm, mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there'll be wee woos. It'll be fun. It'll be good oh, for the God. beat. Yep. So. That's so awful. It is. But luckily, the pastor called and he was just, again, like, look into it. I don't know. But the oldest didn't come in and it was like going in age order down. Right. So the pastor didn't make a public statement until a lot of the dust had settled on this case. So I'm kind of jumping ahead, but I want to read it to you because he said, quote, there was nothing in me that believed that it was of a natural cause. 
I didn't believe he died of a stroke or a heart attack or in his sleep. I just didn't. There's nothing scientific. There's nothing professional about my observation. But my first words were, no way. He did not just die. And that was when Mark died. So he was like, Mark didn't just drop dead. Healthy people with no otherwise pre-existing conditions are going to just suddenly die. And not your other, not the next oldest family member, a 26-year-old five months later. Yeah. It doesn't happen. Mm -mm. So in case you hadn't guessed it, both Diane and Rachel were arrested and charged with a plethora of charges, but two counts of murder. Diane was sentenced to life in prison without parole. She took a plea to spare herself from the death penalty. So, Oh, that's rich. Okay. Yep. Which is hilarious, I think, because you issued the death penalty to your family, but Um, okay. Thrice. Yep. Thanks. So, Rachel was sentenced to two life terms, but she's she's actually going to be eligible for parole in 42 years when she is 70. Oh, okay. there's that. Um, do you know who was present at the sentencing though? Who? Sarah. Yes, bitch. I was hoping you would say that. She somehow survived the poisoning despite all odds. Oh my gosh. However, Sarah did not escape unscathed. Of course not. She almost fucking died. She suffered irreversible damage. Mm -hmm. She now needs to live in an assisted living home Mm. full time with around the clock care for life. She just suffered so much brain damage. She's never going to have that previous lifestyle again. Right. So they were charged also with attempted murder as well for hers. But Sarah had actually found a journal that Diane kept. So not Rachel's journal, but Diane's journal Mm. where she had also written about the poisonings and also about poisoning Sarah. Mm. So Sarah's like, hey, mom, I saw this thing in here. Um, Are you going to poison me? Oh, my gosh. And Diane said, no, I'm not going to poison you. And don't you dare read my journal again. What? Yep. This is before? Yeah. This was like when Sarah was healthy. What the fuck? And saw that. And she was like, you wouldn't poison me, right? And she was like, no, of course course not. not. Now, don't fucking touch my journal again. (laughs) In this house, we respect boundaries unless we want each other dead. In which case... We break that. Mm, correct. So. Wow. That's fucking depraved. Okay. During the sentencing, Rachel read a statement. And the whole letter is available online. I'm not going to read the whole thing because I really don't like her. So I'm not <laughs> going to. I'm sorry. I think Rachel's an absolute piece of shit. Um, she said, quote i'm sorry i couldn't find the courage to stand up for what was right oh okay i know right it's she's laying it on fucking thick uh to go for help to protect you and our siblings i was scared but being scared is no excuse i'm haunted by the reality of loss and grieve knowing that the guilt isn't just a phase your suffering could have been prevented and i hate myself for not being there for you Things will never be the same, but I can try to change to become a better person. I want you to know that you are an inspiration to me. Thank you for showing me what I can be. That was to Sarah? That was to the one that she was like, I really want her to die. Just not in the house because I probably will move into her room and that's awkward. 
Yeah. Um. Oh, you know, I wish I knew how to say this in French. Comment dit-on go fuck yourself? Yes, that. Comment dit-on? Oh, I know putain. Okay, yeah. I'll say I'll stick with that. Fuck her. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck. One of the other parts of this that I just thought was funny because this is like right in the ass (laughs) is what's really amazing is that despite all of the bad there are those who choose to forgive the ones who hurt them that takes a rare kind of bravery (laughs) you're just laying it on thick dude does it hurt do you taste the bullshit coming out like the bullshit is that that? awful you smell that terrible that's shit so, to both Diane and Rachel, I hope someone pees in their cereal and shits in their shoes every day of their stay at the Department of Corrections. Ugh. They were both so evil, so vile, and with just such a disrespect for human life and the lives of their families that they so clearly never cared about. I hope that I think they are right where they are supposed to be. And after this... I hope it is in hell. Oh, uh, save a seat, babe. Rachel had accepted a plea in exchange for agreeing to testify against her mom. So that's how she didn't get pretty much life in prison. She will actually be able to be paroled. Granted, it's not for a long time, but that's right. on the table. Where Diane actually entered an Alfred plea, which uh, is basically when the defendant still claims they're innocent, but acknowledges that the state has strong evidence. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we're like, okay. Uh, Rachel didn't have to testify because that because of Diane accepting that plea, but they still read her state, statement. They still had a statement for the sentencing because she's mm-hmm. able to be sentenced, but there was no trial. Okay, for either of them, which was good. Um, but Rachel is now trying to vacate her plea, meaning take it back, and she had a motion that she wrote. Um, and this is what it says. It says, quote, when lawyers were appointed, my fear of men was not accommodated, leading to, <laughs> sorry, leading, sorry. really, because you killed two of them, uh, leading to miscommunication, <laughs> coercion, and mental duress. Being, being in an interview room alone with the male detective was like, quote, being flayed alive. Th- th- these are her grounds she actually let, m- let me put it this way um, she thought it up mm-hmm. she affirmed it and said that's a good idea she took a piece of paper she took a pencil and she wrote that shit down and she was like that's it that'll get me out of here so you know i mean maybe call me facetious i i don't know i i can't speak for you but then it actually kind of sounds like a an all-women's prison is kind of the perfect place for you is it not? Because, I don't know, you get released. There's <gasps> men. It was just, it was such a grasp. Like, she has pulled muscles from the reach that she is trying to make with this appeal. And now, granted, I don't, I don't disagree with appeals. I don't, I don't necessarily always see a lot of validity in vacating of a plea. Yeah. Because you've pretty much already spelled everything out for them. And no offense, but before you had any counsel, 
you told everything to the police officer and it matched entirely what your mom said, yeah. which is exactly what happened. And it, I don't think if it had been a female detective that it would have been any different. No. Unless, of course, she thought she could manipulate that easier. Probably. But this is like the degree. And it's like, then you didn't mean anything you said to your sister. You didn't mean anything you said in your letter to her. Because if you're saying, you know, you need to, like, basically, I know I need to pay for this. Thank you. Like, let me continue to work on being a better person. Uh Continuing to work on being a better person isn't trying to weasel your way out of the only thing that's held you accountable. Yeah. But that's just me. That's just me. But I don't want to waste any more breath on the scrote bags. Yes. Um, They got their wish. Maybe they're in the same prison. I don't know. I know they're in Missouri, but I guess it could be different DOCs. But um, if they're together, um, besties still hanging, you know. But instead, I want to talk about the survivors. Yes. Brianna, again, was 11 years old when this happened. Fuck. So she would be about 22 years old today, making her the exact age her sister was when she conspired to kill her family. Oh. Including her. Yeah. Uh, her name was changed, and we don't know where she is. So Brianna is Good. not Brianna Stouty anymore. With her dad dead, her brother dead, her mother and one sister in prison, and the only remaining sister in an assisted living, there was no one to take her. Oh, Brianna. So a family of six down to one, she was put into foster care. And we don't know where that came out, but I hope that she's found peace and happiness and family and those yes. that love her and that family doesn't always need to be blood. Nope. You know that saying, um, blood is thicker than water. Mm-hmm. That's actually only half of the phrase. It's religious and it's the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb or something along those lines. Someone will correct me. But basically <laughs> saying the blood of your family actually pales in comparison to this promise that you're making or sort of this covenant that you're making right and so to me like fuck yeah i hope she's found family because that that's still family yeah and frankly most of hers can well most of the remaining family she has can eat glass Mm -hmm. so i hope that she's found that and i hope with all my fucking being, that she got one of the really good foster families that just really wanted to give her, like, the most loving home there ever was. Yeah, give her a shot because the people that truly loved her were killed. Yeah. And there is rumor, and I I haven't seen this substantiated. I've seen, like, maybe an attempt at pointing fingers at Sarah, saying that Sarah was in on it, too. With killing Mark okay. and Sean. I don't believe that. Yeah. I also think that Diane and Rachel would have absolutely pointed to that. Yeah. And they didn't have any grounds. Instead, they just apologized. Well, I don't even think Diane apologized to her, but Rachel yeah. apologized to her. So to me, that didn't really add up. But I still think it's awful because even... I'm I'm assuming it's not true and if it's not then how awful for this to be done to her and then she's accused of having been in on it right just adds to it just adds insult to injury yeah Yeah. it's just like really like you literally cannot stop kicking this girl while she's down she's lost her family yep like it's just it's awful but for Sarah she says that she's forgiven them okay Sarah misses her dad 
yeah she misses her brother she also misses what it was like to just be a family probably never a normal family maybe in the way that you and i might consider it but to have everyone present right and normal in her world that's what she grew up with she forgives her mom and her sister for what they've done but she recognizes they took her lifestyle they took her independence they took everything from her Yes. She will never return to the life she had, not just with her family, but even her physical being. She is not the person she was, and she knows that. The quality of life has changed. She will never not live in an assisted living home. She will never not have round-the-clock care. She will never have a brain that doesn't have brain damage. She will never be who she was. And to the extent that she can acknowledge that, she does. And she's like they took everything from me but she said that she's a christian Mm -hmm. and she leans into her faith and that she needed to forgive for herself and that's what's got her through because they took her way of life and they took everything she ever knew yeah they took the future that she was preparing for that she put years into she graduated school For what? To do what? And then she found it in her heart to forgive them and make peace with that. But she believes that her dad and her brother are angels that watch over her. And she said that she finds comfort in that. And she believes that it must have been them that they're the reason she's alive. That they must have done something to save her. That they, they tipped the scales in some way. I hope so. And she says that through her faith, again, that she's been able to emotionally and mentally recover from the damage. But she hopes that she can create a support group for others who have been poisoned because it's just such a niche sort of group of people. And yeah, there's just a lot of emotion that goes into that, obviously. And she hopes to be able to... make or create a space that people feel comfortable talking about that that's an amazing mission to get out of all of this and lastly i will end with a quote of hers which is i prefer to be a survivor rather than a victim love it and those were the stouty family murders that's so fucked up i had you in the first half you were like oh poor rachel the trauma and i was like wait a minute you're like hold up bitch okay she's the worst one (laughs) So, downloading, reflecting, processing. Um, I love this mission for Sarah. I love that for her. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that she has found peace within herself and in her spiritual life. Uh, I, too, am spiritual. Mm -hmm. My personal opinion differs in that I believe that only God can forgive certain things. Um, Particularly those uh, things that aim intentionally very intentionally premeditated to take a life Mm -hmm. personally that'll do it um and in that sense well i'll just let the big man at the gates let him know what's up but and they go oh no no no, your room's waiting for you downstairs and they just added they added actually um nails to your chair yeah it's really cute you should go check it out okay uh, we weren't going to tell you this. We we're going to surprise you. Mm. But they actually added a whole new level of hell just for you. It's pretty cool. It's, it's like all awful. antifreeze. <laughs> Isn't it terrible? <laughs> that it's That's like so fucked. The irony of it, 
of accepting a plea so that you are spared the death penalty when you inflicted the death penalty on your own family and felt justified in doing so yes is like what kind of mental gymnastics like simone do you biles need to who? do i know what kind of this mental simone biles did you need to do she's amazing i love her anyway um not these bitches simone biles yeah she's great but how do you do that i i well and like okay so then there there's a little like psych cogs going in my head oh no please and the relationship again okay i'm not a psychologist i'm not a psychiatrist i don't have letters after my name that deal with anything other than substance use disorder but in my head it's almost like the phenomenon of the favorite person in borderline personality disorder so this isn't necessarily, as far as I know, like in the DSM-5 part of this disorder, but a lot of people with borderline personality disorder will talk about like having a favorite person. And basically, it's not like your best friend. It's not like your husband. I mean, it could be either of those people, but mm-hmm. the title of who they are in your life does not determine whether or not they're the favorite person. Right. But it's like this person that you're obsessed with. Like everything you do, they need to approve. Everything you do wrong, they need to be in on and they need to be okay with it. And mm-hmm. like if they're even a little bit upset, you're fucking freaking out. Yep. It almost sounds like to me that they both had this with each other, Rachel and Diane. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, no, we're good. Everybody else can go pound sand. Yeah, as long as we're good. Right. And that's like, that's not to say people with BPD or anything would hurt other people. It's just to say these two, it's almost like that's this weird magnetic pull where they could not give a shit about anyone else but each other. Right. And when you isolate yourself and you don't have any kind of community, I mean, even though they were involved in their church, yes. But it wasn't like they had a community within the church. Does that make sense? Yeah. They didn't have friends in that way they weren't like we never saw this coming we never thought she would do this it was like they were quiet in a stoic family they kept to themselves but we never thought anything but there wasn't like they would never do this right it was just kind of off kind of odd right probably the most likable one of them all being mark ironically the first you know the the one to be killed first the one that like it was like you need to go kind of thing it's just awful the way that it comes out well and also i'm curious because if sarah was getting some mental health meds right some meds for help we know that mental illness is genetic Mm -hmm. i'm curious if there was any resentment there you know like fuck you you're going somewhere where they're telling you that something's wrong with you and that Mm -hmm. means something's wrong with us yep and you know, I, I freaking hope that that is not the reason they decided. Sounds like they were very money focused. But they had it. The fact of the matter was that it, it took nothing for you to be on their shit list. Right. Like, or literally their hit list. Because Rachel, like Diane needed buy in from Rachel to help her. Right. But they had different reasons to be in on it. Right. Even if they were kind of in the same vein it was like they were independent of each other even when they disagreed they still ended up finding a way to agree right but like with sarah rachel just was like i fought with my sister so she had to die and i'm sure diane could play off that 
And right. I'm sure Rachel, because she wanted her dead, could say, well, yeah, look, you're going to have to pay your student loans. Look at all the money you don't have. We just killed them and we got money and now all of that's going to be a waste because right. it's going to have to go into her stuff because she's not doing anything. And so they could manipulate and probably play off each other to get more buy-in from right. the other. That it's like, it took literally nothing for them to... They didn't like her jokes. <laughs> They'd fucking love me. Oh, gosh. <laughs> like, be come gone on. Tomorrow. You kidding me? Like... They'd be like, it's you just, want this giant Slurpee from 7-Eleven? <laughs> Fuck. It, it's just awful. It's like, just because you don't like somebody does not give you the right to execute them. These two grown women. That's your family. 49 and 22. These two grown women have the same fucking excuse as high schoolers, back in that Skylar and East case that we did, where mm-hmm. they were like, we just didn't want to be friends anymore. Then just stop doing it. Then just don't be friends. You it's don't totally have to fine. end a life to end a relationship. Goodbye. It's actually completely 100% totally fine. And very you, doable. If you don't want to be friends anymore. You you actually don't have to. It's really funny no. how that works. And you if don't. you don't want to pay for your adult child, you oh you don't have to. Just don't. If you want to get a divorce, what? Well, the court opens at 8 a.m. Let's go. Like, it's a matter of filing paperwork. Yep. That's it. Gosh. Okay. Well, this is... um, You're definitely right. My family is not that dysfunctional. (laughs) Yes. So, if any of you were like, oh, home for the holidays, my family's the worst. Are they? Are they the worst? Because they... I mean, you might need a break, but like they feed you antifreeze and you might have an uncle that like pisses you off mm-hmm. or you might have a cousin that you disagree with or you might have an aunt that got a little too tipsy or you might have fill in the blank i don't know yeah but are they diane and rachel stouty i don't think they are that being said if you do have someone awful in your family it's not to negate that it's just saying this is fucked but also, it's it's fucked. It's fucked, fucked. It's fucky, as you would say. Yeah, what in the full-on fuck? <laughs> so, oh, terrible. all right. Well, thank you for sharing this, I guess. Um, I feel worse <laughs> off for it, but I'm glad that I was able to hear Mark and Sean and Sarah's stories. And also, obviously, Brianna. And I hope that um, our two piece of shitettes... Shatets? Shatets. Yes. Rotten Hill. So. Yeah. Oh, the other thing that I think is really funny here uh-huh. is that, um, so, Mark died on Easter, mm-hmm. and it was the pastor that mm-hmm. called, and so it was like religion biting them back in the ass, like, no, yes. you're not a Christian, you piece of shit. It was just kind of like the way that it, everything kind of fell was very interesting to me yeah like biblical in a way that i was like huh like okay old testament god i see you that if it hadn't been for the pastor to kind of sound the alarms how long would it have taken and that's if doctors alerted police which i'm sure they would have but how long would it take to get the results back on that and what damage would be done and where would brianna be and also where would rachel be because do i personally believe for a moment that Diane would have spared one child instead of the other four? Nope. No, not really. I think it was just her and Rachel against the world, and that's what they wanted. That's fucked. 
Isn't it though? <sighs> well, um, shit, guys. <laughs> I, I really, <laughs> this is terrible. I don't know what else to say. It's just so shallow. There's no depth to them. There's no depth to the thought. There's no depth to the process. It was like we got stoned, saw a poisonous book on plants, and we were like, you know what? That is my New Year's resolution. So, yep, pretty much. So, we hope our giveaway winners love their little yes. sub- their little goodies. The little Send surprises. us little pickies of your goodies and getting them, and tell us what you think because we have included some of the ATFTC fam favorites. You're getting like a little bundle of the things that we love. So we hope you love them too. Yeah, and. Please remember, check us out on Instagram. By the way, if you ever win, so our winners have already been notified that they won, but it will always come from our account on Instagram, and that's at About Time for Two Crime Pod with periods in between every word. So that's A B O U T period, T I M E period, F O R period, T R U E period, C R I M E period, P O D because podcast was too long. And we will always DM you or email if that's how you communicate, but it will come from us. And we will let you know what's up. We'll ask for a mailing address. But you could also find all of our resources, people, places, things that we talk about, and also some really cute memes. And also our link tree, which has all of our red bubble stickers and like a little place to donate if you wanted to. Um, and we just appreciate you all so much. But if you wanted to send something via email, Allie, where could they do that? So if you wanted to email us, you could do that to about time, the number four, tc at gmail.com. So that's A-B-O-U-T-T-I-M-E, numeric four, tc at gmail.com. What a ride. What a ride. Uh, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, all of the things uh, we love you just so much and yes. that's that's pretty much all i have send a picture of your pod pet yes and we will see you next week um we'll see you next year you <laughs> <laughs> but if i check my clock that was about, about time, time for, for true crime, crime. Bye. bye oh my <laughs>